0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
1: I'm Brian No. He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. I want to welcome in Eric Edholm from NFL.com. He's been writing feverishly about the NFL draft. Right. It's only a week away here, Eric. Are you starting to uh, drool? With it only being a, a week away here, oh man, drool! I'm I'm starting to realize how much stuff
2: I have to do between now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm a little no, I'm in good shape, I think. But uh, yeah, we got a conference call with Daniel Jeremiah in a little bit here, and get ready for that. Gonna gonna check that out, and uh, working on my final mock. Got a piece on Jameer Gibbs coming out, and uh, then heading to Kansas City. Looking forward to it.
1: How? Uh, how? How uh, how crazy do you get competitively with your mock draft and trying to nail these picks?
2: So yeah, you, I don't think that I got super into it until I had a taste of success. Like I had one really good year a few years back, and I went, "All right, now it's on!" Like we got to spend <laughs> extra time. The kids can put themselves to bed. They can work on dinner themselves. They're old enough now, right? You know, eight years old. I mean, geez, come on. But yeah. I, <laughs> it's hard to to not get that way when you do this full time right I mean this is sort of my gig, you know draft is a big emphasis on what I do, and you know I did pretty well last year, but I can tell you that uh, that success may not carry over this year's going to be a lot more uh unpredictable, and not just at the top i've I've heard some very interesting names that could slide into the bottom around one and mm there'll be some trade activity. I mean, I, you know, it's just not going to be last year with no quarterbacks going in the top 15, 20 picks. I mean, it was a lot easier. I thought,
3: Eric, I have a caveat to this question for your mock as you're making it. Do you simulate trades in yours or do you do strictly just picks?
2: First time I've done that. Yeah. They, you know, they're kind of big fans of that at at NFL media and I've seen other guys do it. And I've always been a little hesitant to do it. And my editors at Yahoo are a little, or one of them was a little ambivalent about it. And, you know, he felt like you know you should only project these things if you heard specific rumors about those trades, which I get, I understand, but you can also do a little bit of projecting on those. So, I think my final mock, I'm not as worried about my my score for the Huddle Report or anything. I think I will pro- project a few trades because I think a couple of them are going to be inevitable. I don't know exactly who's moving up, but I you know I could see a, a quarterback related trade in the top ten and. You know, depending on what happens with the top receivers, and maybe if Bijan Robinson slides a little bit, I could see some activity at the bottom around one. So there'll be there'll be some movement. I, I think you know it's not going to be one of these one of these years where fifteen twenty
1: picks go off before we have a trade, which has happened in the last decade. These freaking Texans over here, Eric Edholm, <laughs> what are they going to do? Because if you're putting your mock together. Yeah. That's got to be the spot where you're like, if I get this pick wrong, I might get the <laughs> right. next seven picks wrong or whatever, however it plays out there. What do you think the Texans are going to do?
2: Not too different from last year, right? I mean, I, I, I had Stingley about a week before the draft, so I, I felt a lot better than some other people did who were hesitating putting him there. So, yeah, it feels like we're you know kind of going through a similar thing again where – You know, in this case, we don't necessarily, I don't at least know who they like, but I'm inclined to believe that there's some, there's a real possibility that the quarterback is not the pick at two. I know that, I I know Nick Casario said that there's, there have been calls, but I, I feel like they're going to get, they're going to be stuck making a selection at two. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I could be wrong, but. I think it's a lot more appealing for teams to move up to three. The price just jumps so much with each selection, the the higher you go. And, you know, you can't go much higher than that. So I don't think one's getting traded. So I feel like it's either going to be a quarterback, but more likely it could be a defensive player at this point. Um, You know, you've heard the names, Will Anderson and Tyree Wilson. I I could make a case for both. I, I wouldn't be shocked if Wilson's in play at two and that would that would certainly surprise some people as far as okay what do we do now if we're picking right behind there and so it, it will have an effect on the draft if they go against quarterback there and then they have to figure out all right how we how are we adding to this position if we're if we're doing that are we going all the way back up to 3 then with our from 12 or do we wait do we not love any of these guys once Bryce Young is picked first i mean that that is a possibility that we have to consider
3: Eric at home with us NFL.com. Eric with that being said when you look at the Colts as you're finalizing your mock right now the, yeah. the talk has been you mentioned it in your in your 1.0 ad nauseum has been the word for the Colts and a quarterback where do you envision this shaping out for them
2: I think they end up with Will Levis. if I had to guess I don't know that for a fact evening, but...
1: yeah that's the greatest news today man that's who I want Oh, okay. I, you, I thought I thought you were being sarcastic. No, no no, 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 no. He no,
2: should have no, been. He yeah. should
3: have been, but he was no, not. Unfortunately. No, I'm serious here.
2: <laughs> I mean, I've spent the last three months on Twitter. Not as much as I used to be, but I, uh, you know, seeing people just going off on the guy like he is the worst quarterback prospect to ever be you know mentioned as a first round prospect. I just I'm shocked at how much hatred there seems to be for him. Now maybe that's cooled a little bit as his. You know, as we hear more teams are interested in him than than probably some people thought. So, I mean, does he have warts? Sure. You know, last year didn't go well. But but I think you look back and you realize that there were some things that kind of worked against him last season. The talent around him, the play-calling situation, the injuries he suffered. and, And you kind of realize that I think there's more than what we saw. And the 2021 tape was a lot more, in my opinion, revealing. I think the toughness factor is something that Chris Fowler is really going to value. Uh, you know, my first mock, I think, was, I don't remember, January or something like that. I put Levis in there, and I, and I don't remember exactly what I wrote, but it was basically I could see him loving Levis's toughness, his confidence, and his arm strength. And, you know, you can't discount the fact that he's he's a big, well-built athlete, too, and you know, sort of Sam Ellinger with, a, with more passing prowess, I would say, in terms of body size and whatnot. So I, I just have a feeling that they're not going to move up from four. They're going to let the draft come to them. And if the no quarterback thing happens at two, that may benefit them quite well.
1: Eric Edholm joining us here from NFL.com. I call these people sheep, Eric, where it's just turned into follow the leader and let's just dump on Will Levis. Why do you think that is? Because is this the perfect storm where you have a couple of big-name quarterbacks from big-name schools, Alabama, Ohio State, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud? Does it make Will Levis look even lesser than in comparison? Is that what's going on here? Look, let's let's be
2: frank here. The mayo and the coffee thing got him off to a bad start. <laughs> That's right. It sent him down a path that was never going to end well, right? Even if it was in humor, right? Yeah, uh, half kidding. Um, I've never tried that, by the way. I don't know that I will. I love both independently. Uh, I think you're right. I think there is a body of work element to it where – you know, Penn State fans are chiming in going, holy Christmas, this guy is a top five pick, are you kidding me? Like, he couldn't even win our job here, and, you know, they're certainly biased, but but maybe they're not wrong. I don't know, but I, I think it's the fact that he seemed to – trend in the wrong direction this season then again i guess you could say the same thing about bryce young right (laughs) i mean coming off a 47 touchdown seven int season heisman trophy you know the production wasn't nearly as good last year but that's why context is so important with these things And, and, and i really feel like levis's running ability was sapped last year his offensive line wasn't great his receivers didn't really help him out. They missed Chris Rodriguez for a few games there. I mean, it just it a it, it wasn't an environment in which you'd expect somebody to thrive very readily. So that's a big part of it. You know, obviously there was some Anthony Richardson buzz too. People seem to get more excited about him than Levis. So a lot of factors go into it.
3: Eric, we've heard where you think the Colts will go, but in terms of the quarterbacks we've just mentioned, Stroud, Richardson, Levis, Young. Who do you think has the best chance to make it at the next level? And individually, where do you feel there's the most value of the four? I
2: mean, if I just had to evaluate the prospect, like as far as what their on-field play look like, Bryce Young is my number one quarterback. But the 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 size thing is an issue for me. It is. I hate to say it, but like we we play 17 games in the regular season now, and it's a thinly built kid. Now, I'm not saying he can't make it. I think he'll play a high level when he's out there. I really do, but. You know, you, you take continual punishment on a small frame over time, bad things tend to happen. Now there are wide receivers who have been able to have 15-year careers at, at 180 pounds, so you'd think, okay, a quarterback should be able to hold up too, but I just wonder, you know, if that's going to be a factor. So he and CJ, I mean, they're different players, but they they, they have some overlapping skill in terms of, their passing instinct, their touch, their placement. Neither of them has a rocket arm. Uh, and I don't think you need one to win in this league. Is it tougher to make those tight window throws? Sure, sometimes. But they're fine without elite physical traits. CJ obviously being a little bigger, maybe a little more well-rounded athlete overall, maybe a little bit more you know, escapability uh, talent there. So CJ just would be a little bit of a safer bet, in my opinion and then you have the two wild cards and i think levis can make it i really do i look i'm I don't, I don't know exactly what he's going to turn into in the nfl but you know his his natural talent i mean comes from a family of athletes all in different sports i think his confidence and his intelligence he's a mature kid i think for for you know he's 24 years old so he'll be ready to step in right away he's sort of handled the the spotlight well when it was on him at at Kentucky, even with last year. So, I feel like all four have a path to success. Richardson's running ability gives him a floor that, you know, you can't dismiss either, and and his arm talent is exciting. So, I mean, all four aren't going to succeed. We know that historically just won't happen, but I, you know, I I feel pretty good about this group, especially
1: compared to last year. How about, Eric, you look at C.J. Stroud's betting odds (laughs) To go number four yeah. overall, and earlier this week it's at twenty-two to one. As we speak right now, it's only two to one. So, mm-hmm. what do you it's, think of the chances that CJ Stroud is the number four overall pick here?
2: If, if he's there, then I could absolutely see it. Right, I could see all the you know they they want an accurate guy. I think you know Shane Steichen's obviously somebody who could you know work with. CJ Stroud's athleticism and feature it a little bit more. I mean, in, at Ohio State, it was, a, it was a drop back pocket passer for the most part, only using that scramble ability when needed against Georgia when the pressure was was mounting, or against Northwestern when it's you know a, a, a wind tunnel over in Evanston there and they really can't throw the football in that kind of weather. So, you know, they used it out of I guess last ditch desperation in college, but I obviously think that. Jane's system could help bring out bring that out a little bit more naturally. He could be like a Joe Burrow type as far as, you know, when it's third and sixth, Joe can pick you up a first down. He's good at it. He knows when to kind of take off. He's a tough kid. I can see CJ sort of being the same thing. So from that standpoint, he makes a lot of sense. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't discount it. I don't know that he'll be there. I could see three being a trade up spot and I could you know, they're a team like the Raiders. I wouldn't be shocked if they moved up for, for Stroud, but I also would, you know, it, it possibly could come down to the Colts having their pick of Stroud, Levis, and Richardson. There's mm. a scenario where that could happen. So, boy, that would be fascinating. That, then we'd we'd have a real fun dissection after the draft as far as okay, well, they clearly like this guy the best of those three, and and we'll have to measure their success against whoever they draft for, for the next several years now, and that's going to be the debate.
3: Eric, last thing on my end, you mentioned in a piece on NFL.com end of last month regarding the needs for each team. And you looked at the Colts, you cited the obvious one at quarterback, but you also mentioned cornerback and offensive line is your biggest need. You do mention at the end, though, they do need another receiver. When you look at cornerback, when you look at their O-line, when you look at their need at wide receiver, where do you rank those in terms of level of importance for the Colts to attack it in the later rounds?
2: Yeah, good question. I mean, in the later rounds, at that point, you're probably drafting a little bit less for need uh, than you might be in rounds two or three or that range, you know? So, it's more about letting the board kind of speak to you and who's the best talent available and you know, we'll, we'll worry about needs and undrafted for agency, and there's still, a, you know, we can still go out and get veteran players if we need. That's that's I think how most teams would would go about it. But if I just sort of had to rank them, I mean, corners are hard to find in in, in most years, but this is a great year to draft one. Now, does that mean you can wait a little bit? Perhaps, but it also means that there will be some very enticing options when we get into day two, and some some starting caliber corners that normally don't last that long. I know every year, every you know every draft, there are two or three who linger, who end up starting and playing well. But that number might be double that this year. It could be four or five. So, you know, that's going to be a fun test. Like if somebody like Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State were there with their second-round pick, that would be a, a very tempting choice. I think he could go late one, but, you know, or one of the South Carolina corners. I would say Darius Rush would be one that they would like a
1: lot you know, just knowing his size and character. I think that's a position they will attack fairly early. Eric, you're the man. Great to catch up with you, bud. Uh, Hope you have a great day, and we'll catch you later. All right. Enjoy it. See you. See you guys. There he is, uh, Eric Edholm, NFL.com.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all time greatest hits. Long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
1: I'm Brian No. He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. I want to welcome in Damon Bruce, longtime Bay Area radio host. He's hosting The Damon Bruce Show on YouTube. He joins us here on The Fan. He's a IU grad. You know, Damon, we were just talking about. Football traditions for the IU Hoosiers and Jimmy Cook, who is also an IU grad, was like ah, they play the Jaws thing on third down. Is there anything else that you can remember from your college days about the IU football traditions there? No, just pain, just just pain <laughs> at all times, pain and
0: embarrassment and agony and just there's there's just suffering. <laughs> there's suffering. I really mean it. So I don't believe in sports. Like uh, you know uh, uh, polygamy I, I, like if you, you pick a wife, you pick a school, you pick a team, mm-hmm. and you stay with that team for life you know i'm not I'm not some kind of guy that believes you should have well my first favorite team is this, my second favorite team is that it's just not how i'm wired, but no. with me living in San Francisco. And USC now joining the Big Ten. Boys, I think I'm jumping on that <laughs> USC game. I, I have suffered through way, way too many, way too many just unsatisfying football seasons with Indiana. I think i got to give up on them and and, and give myself a, a fighting chance in a fall.
1: I like it, man. I like what you're thinking there. Speaking of suffering, huh? we transition over to Draymond Green. Now, depending on your perspective, it's Draymond not being available for Game 3. That's Warrior Suffering or it's a bonus suffering from the stomp. What did you think of the stomp? What did you think about the league's reaction to suspend him for Game 3?
0: Look, priors matter. And reputations, you better guard yours because they will be considered when people are making choices about you. I mean, that's the lesson that's going on here. And Draymond has a reputation that basically has everyone in the NBA pretty much considering him a jerk unless you're a Golden State Warrior. That is who he is. That is the career he's carved out for himself. So whenever he's looking for a benefit of the doubt, it's never going to be extended to him. I did think that the moment was adjudicated in the moment. You know, he was thrown out of a game. That is normally enough in the postseason to mean that that moment can now pass. I did think the league is is overstepping a little here, but I also thought that Draymond overstepped. You know, he wasn't just looking to put a foot down. He put his foot down with intent to hurt. I mean, he's. Draymond giveth and taketh away, and he is a paradox and a riddle and an excellent IQ basketball player and a total emotion-filled child on another level for a 33-year-old guy 10 years in the league with four rings. He should grow up by now. I mean, he really should. For him, I think part of the reason why he was ejected wasn't even just the stomp itself on Sabonis, but His demeanor after the fact, he's taunting 19,000 Kings fans, calling them names, challenging them to go fight outside. And you just, you got to behave better than that. You know, when all eyes are on you, you're being judged. And uh, his, I don't care what you think, caught up to him. And it could spell an awful lot of trouble tonight for the Warriors.
3: When you turn back the clock statement, I would have thought, the repercussions of arguably costing Golden State a championship when he got suspended back in 2016 would have been the turning point moment for him. That's seven years ago. He's 26. OK, maybe there's a reevaluation there now in a first round series of the one game suspension. I get it much like a driver speeding. Eventually, the points catch up to you. But is there anything to be learned from this from him? I mean, you mentioned it, he's 33. No.
0: No, I mean, there, there, there clearly is no learning going on here. There will be no new lessons taken to heart. There will be no demand that he grow up and act like, you know, I, I'm, look, I don't want choir boys. You know, look, I, we, we made fun of Indiana football. Let me tell you, Indiana basketball in its heyday was a whole bunch of kids just coming out there looking to kick your ass and not make friends. I like that mentality. In a basketball player, but you've got to learn from lessons. And to be suspended for a second postseason game, I mean, I don't care how many rings you've won, that goes in the opening paragraph of the obituary. I've never heard of such a thing. Who's been thrown out of, who's been suspended for two postseason games? It's, it's nuts. So um, it's wildly disappointing. The constant excuses that this franchise has offered up to justify his actions. Um, are, I think, the blind spot of the organization. You know, they, they, I, I, there is so much to admire. There is so much that the Warriors have gotten right throughout the dynasty. But not being able to demand Draymond Green act like an NBA veteran and an adult is, is, a, is a
1: massive shortcoming of the Steve Carrera. He's Damon Bruce from the Bay Area joining us here on The Fan. I don't want to be prisoner of the moment here, Damon, but I'm just thinking about everything you laid out with Draymond. Let's say, for the sake of argument, the Warriors go on to lose tonight, and they're down 3-0, and that would be it for the series. If that happens, do you think that when we're looking at Draymond's overall body of work, his legacy, do you think more people than not would view it more negatively than positively, even though the guy's got four rings and has been a major contributor to those rings?
0: Here's the thing. I can see how that question would come from the outside because he seems so polarizing, even within the own fan base. But the truth is, anyone who knows and anyone who watches realizes that even though Draymond might have played a massive part in them not winning the the NBA Finals that he got suspended from when they were up 3-1 over the Cavs, and uh, look, I don't think they were about to defend their title this year, but a first round exit to the Kings would be wildly embarrassing for the dynasty to be snuffed out like that. I still think that the Warriors don't have a single championship without Draymond Green. I mean, that is how important he has been the garbage guy, the glue guy, the guy who does all the little work, all the stuff that never shows up into a box score, all the things that you only understand are important in a basketball game. If you really know the sport, he does them. He really has. He is Wildly frustrating. He is incredibly uh, the emotional just catalyst of this team. I mean, he is their brass knuckles. Now, unfortunately, he sometimes turns the brass knuckles on himself, on his own reputation. I mean, my goodness, this year started with a punch of Jordan Poole, and it could end with a stomp of Damanis Sabonis. So, you know, it's it's nuts that he has taken us along for this ride and continues to ride on this track of I can't be controlled. You know, I've always said real leadership is keeping your composure about you while everyone else loses theirs. So that, you know, he, he officially gets subtracted from the real leader conversation. That's Steph, that's Clay, that's Steve Kerr. But he's been such a vital piece. I don't think you can take anything he's done away from him, and I don't think you properly tell the story by trying to run away from the fact that he has been a, a, a proven saboteur at least twice in the postseason.
3: Damon Bruce with us of the Bay Area. You can watch and listen to The Damon Bruce Show on YouTube, at Damon Bruce Plus on YouTube. Find him there. Damon, going back to Brian's initial comment about what's at stake tonight, I mean, obviously there's no really legacy aspect in my mind for any of the star players here for Steph, for Clay. but in terms of what's going to be asked of them, what's going to be asked of Jordan Poole, is there a path tonight to make this a 2-1 series? Yeah.
0: I mean, and the path is it's a home game and regardless of who is playing in the home game for the warriors, the warriors are a tough out at home. They look like the golden state warriors when they're at home, when they're on the road, they're the Orlando magic. It's (laughs) (laughs) they got one of the weirdest home and road splits in the NBA. I mean, really all their numbers at home suggest this is one of the best teams in basketball. All the teams, all the splits on the road suggest this is a team that should be drafting in the lottery. I mean, that that's how dr- dramatic this has been. That's how inconsistent they've been. They need their incredible crowd behind them tonight and they just need Steph and Clay to make it rain. You know, it's, it's a make or miss league for everyone, but tonight for the Warriors specifically, it's about as much of a make or miss scenario as they're going to find. And look, the Kings have been very good on the road this year. The Kings they are, they, what's, what no one expected in this series, we're seeing play out in this series. No one expected the best coach in this series to be Mike Brown. And I'm not saying he's undressing Steve Kerr, but he knows Steve's entire wardrobe inside and out because he helped him pick it out over the last few years. They're all over the Warriors' actions and sets. Whether it was a good defensive stop or not, they're still all over everything the Warriors are doing. The Warriors aren't surprising them. So, coaching advantage, it's Kings. Best player on the court advantage. Well, it's got to be Steph Curry. It hasn't been. It's been De'Aaron Fox. He's been the best player in this series so far. And then the best player off the bench, you figure, well, that's going to be Jordan Poole. Um, No, it hasn't been. It's been Malik Monk. So, the, the, the Kings are just checking all the boxes right now of everything they need to do. And, yeah, if they win tonight, the Warriors are in serious, might-get-swept mode. I saw that four times in NBA history a defending champion has found itself down 0-2 in the first round. None of those champions have ever survived and advanced to the second round, and three of the four have been swept. So the Warriors really, really need tonight to just save a little face in a series that I think is slipping off that they could win at page. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: You know, Damon, we're knee-deep into the NFL draft here in Indianapolis. How about over there in the Bay? What's the buzz with the Niners and is there still draft buzz for the Raiders now that they've moved?
0: So there's always going to be a section of Raiders fans out here and with them going, you know, the the, the fact that Raiders fans had nothing but Jimmy Garoppolo sucks and you'll never win with him. (laughs) 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 You know, know, that's been kind of fun. Uh, but uh, the the uh, the thing with the forty ers is they don't have a, a pick until round three right now, unless they trade someone. Everyone's eyes are on Trey Lance. Watch right now. Mm. Brock Purdy was a hell of a story. His elbow surgery will either have him what, ready to go at the beginning of the year or sometime in September, they hope. But, uh, you know, they just brought in Sam Darnold. I don't know if you're bringing in Sam Darnold, if you've got a lot of plans to continue to further invest in Trey Lance. So that is the story that everyone's keeping an eye on right now. Will Trey Lance be a draft day trade for the 49ers? And would that allow them to jump into the second, late first round if they were to find the right value for him?
3: Damon, could you bring us up to speed on the latest regarding what the future holds for the Oakland Athletics? Yeah,
0: the future holds nothing but pain and misery as long as John Fisher, who is the equivalent of the worst owner in sports. Like if Daniel Snyder was playing grab ass around the office with all those women that he was harassing, so maybe he wears the crown. But this is the crown prince. John Fisher is sports Satan. He truly is. He only owns a team for the real estate deal that he might be able to secure around that team. He has no pride in ownership. He has not been a caretaker of the game, the league, Any of his players, he is awful. The world would be a better place without John Fisher, and he's so much of a screw-up. Watch him not get this deal done in Las Vegas either. Like, uh, until there is a shovel somewhere in the ground, I don't believe a word of anything the Oakland A's do or say. And I'm telling you right now, even with all the the in-the-moment outrage, there's a very good chance that opening day 2030 will be at the Coliseum in front of 6,000 people.
1: (laughs) I just love the moniker Sports Satan. That is tremendous right there. You know, I've got a question. Yeah, I I just want to go back to what you said, Damon, about Trey Lance, because think about how this ties to Indianapolis. They need a quarterback. If you are looking from the Colts' point of view between some of these prospects that could be on the board in C.J. Stroud or Will Levis or Anthony Richardson compared to trading for Trey Lance, how would you break that down?
0: So now the beauty's in the eye of the beholder and the question is how much potential are you falling in love with? Because either either a player you draft from college or Trey Lance himself, the only thing you're betting on is potential because we have no real track record. The 49ers still have no idea what Trey Lance really is. This guy has played so little football over the last five years due to the fact that he got hurt, was buried on the depth chart, wasn't given the hands. You know, As soon as he was given the reins to the kingdom, his ankle broke. So that didn't happen. We saw him for a handful of games in a year where he was going to maybe be Kyle Shanahan's secret weapon. He never really turned into weapon X. And, um, I, I, we, no one has any idea what Trey Lance is and a kid coming out of college might've seen more snaps on a football field than Trey Lance has even seen on an NFL practice field. So I, I, I can't answer that question. I'm not trying to dodge it, but I got, I got no, nothing proves you can play in the NFL until you play in the NFL. The little bit that we've seen Trey Lance play in the NFL. I was not convinced. Oh, there's no doubt. This guy's about to be a really special player in this league. There's nothing that made me think he's about to be a catastrophic failure either. So either way, you have a total unknown entity taking over the position of quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts, whether it's a draft pick or Trey Lance.
3: With how talented that offense is in San Francisco, Damon, Damon Bruce, nice enough to take some time with us here on The Fan. It was Brock Purdy proof that because of how talented it is, almost any quarterback that is capable of reading defenses and, and placing the ball in the right spots can function in that offense.
0: Get the ball out fast and make it accurate. That's all this offense requires with all those playmakers. I mean, the argument could be made. That's really all any offense requires. No. <laughs> get the ball out fast and throw it where it's supposed to go. I mean, this is not a wild concept that is exclusive to the 49ers, but the whole thing that was odd about Trey Lance is he never was the type of quarterback that I thought Kyle Shanahan would want. You know, you talk about a dynamic to, you know, the ability to run with the ball, a Jalen Hurts type. I mean, that, that that seems, you know, like the the, the the future of football. But more than anything else, Kyle wants that ball out when the third, you know, when the third foot goes down on a three-step drop to a slant route. His entire offense basically happens and operates. In a 15-yard box, it's three yards behind the line of scrimmage and about 12 yards beyond the line of scrimmage. And that's where the entire dance takes place. So I never thought that Trey Lance was really stylistically the type of quarterback that Kyle wanted. Jimmy, to an extent, was. Uh, Brock Purdy instantly appeared to be just that um uh, so i i i really the, the pick of lance always sort of it made me think that kyle got got enamored with something and new ideas more than he stuck to what he really believes in and then as soon as the regular season start what kyle believes in is the only bit of offense you see he wants to run the ball as much As any coach in the Big Ten, I mean, he. This guy believes in dominant ground game. Throw when you need to. It's who he is. He is conservative by his nature. He believes in old-fashioned football. He believes in winning with defense. And dynamic offense is something that is available to him because of the dynamic playmakers. But it's not the plays that he sends in. He doesn't call big shot plays. He doesn't look to flip field with bomb passes. It's just not who Shanahan is. So conservative pocket passer is what I always thought he wanted. And then Trey Lance said, well, maybe he wants something else. And then football starts. And then he really didn't want what Trey Lance represented.
1: Good stuff, Damon. Hey, man, thanks for the time. And fight on? Does that sound right, right to you? Yeah, <laughs> Hoosiers <and> fight on. Take care, guys. All right, man, see you. There he is, Damon Bruce. Hosting the uh, Damon Bruce show on YouTube, longtime Bay Area radio host, does a great job.